Welcome to the Adventure Audio Podcast. This is episode 119, and we are welcoming Ryan Van Duzer onto the podcast. Tyler's been a big fan of Ryan's for a little while, and he has turned me on to his YouTube channel. It is absolutely awesome. Ryan does an, just an incredible job, both of filming and storytelling on the YouTube channel, uh, where he documents all kinds of adventures, including his uh, journey down the Great Divide mountain bike route, the Colorado Trail, a whole bunch of other really, really cool stuff that we would encourage you to check out if you don't know who Ryan is or what he's all about. He's absolutely bursting with positive energy. He does a lot of work for charity. He's just an all-around awesome guy, and we were very, very fortunate to have him on. So thank you, Ryan, for spending some time with us, and we would love to have you back on whenever you're able. Uh, This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company. You can visit them at statebicycle.com and you can learn about all of their super cool bikes. I'm riding one of their all-road bikes, as is Tyler. They're just a super, super great and versatile bike, but that's not all they do. They do a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. Fixed gear, track, road. Check them out at statebicycle.com and give them a follow on social media. We always tell you to do that. It's a great way to stay up on what is happening with State. The podcast is also brought to you by Wheel Science, who are makers of high-performance carbon fiber wheels. You can visit them at wheelscience.com. They have a full range of products, so any kind of bike that you have, they likely have a high-performance carbon wheel option for it. And they would also love to consult with you. So if you're not sure what kind of carbon fiber wheels will work best for you, both as a rider, what type of riding you do, and what type of bike you will want to put your new hoops on, chat with them about it and get some expert advice because there's probably some aspects of that choice that you haven't considered yet. Lastly, the podcast is brought to you by the Black Bibs. You can visit them at theblackbibs.com. They are makers of the legendary $40 bib shorts. That's not all they do though. They do a little higher end stuff than that. Um, Just incredible quality and apparel and I absolutely ride the heck out of their stuff all summer long and it holds up extremely well. It looks great check them out at theblackbibs.com. Also well, well worth a follow on the socials so that you can keep up with what they're doing and when they have new product and seasonal apparel coming out. So visit them at theblackbibs.com. On to Ryan Van Duzer. We appreciate you coming on, Ryan. You know, our paths have crossed. It sounds like one time before, but yeah, you, you grew up there in Boulder, Colorado, and you know, you're a big fan of Boulder. And- yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, I, I know your history. I've watched a lot of your videos and uh, you're super inspiring and super generous person. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of a little bit about your history growing up. And yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, well, first of all, wonderful to have you on. Yeah. Thanks. I'm psyched to be here, man. When I got a message that you wanted to do this, I was like, no way. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very cool. So yeah, I am uh, born and raised in Boulder. This is my hometown. I love it with all my heart. And being a Boulder kid, you know, you learn to love the great outdoors pretty quickly. That's why people move here. So we can have access to the outdoors. And ever since I was a little guy, I've loved riding bikes. I'll never forget when I got my first bike on Christmas morning, a little BMX, when I was in elementary school and learning how to ride and, you know, crashing, training wheels, all that stuff. And then just the feeling of freedom of riding a bike and uh i've never had a car in my life when i was a little kid i remember watching an earth day special on pbs and i was like oh no we need to take care of the planet i'm not gonna drive a car because in my mind cars were bad you know pollution is bad and so i 
made a commitment to ride all the time. And so riding has become my life. It's how I get my groceries and visit friends and explore the world. That's awesome. Good for you. So literally no car. Never had a car in my life. I actually, I got my driver's license at age 32. And I only got my license because I was hosting a TV show and they needed me to drive in some scenes of the show. And I remember being in a production meeting with them. And of course, they just assumed that I could drive. And they're like, OK, so we're going to have you drive over here and over here. And you'll be speaking to the camera. And I was like, wait, I don't I don't drive team. I don't drive guys. And they were like, no way. So I had to learn really quickly. My mom taught me how to drive at age 32 and it was ugly. <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's great. Can you tell us like a little bit about how you started and with the video production and everything? I, I mean, I know your the story, and you know, you shared it on your YouTube channel, and I just thought it was really neat. You kind of made your own job there. And, yeah, uh, I, and and I, it sounds like the rest is history, right? Absolutely. So I essentially created my dream situation. I got a degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Colorado, and that essentially teaches you how to be like a local news anchor. And I did, you know, an internship at Nine News in Denver, and it was exciting to be in TV studios and around the big cameras and meeting the, the, the anchors that I grew up watching all my life. But I learned quickly that that is not what I wanted to do with my life. I'm not a big fan of local news. It's kind of depressing. There's a saying in the industry where they say, if it bleeds, it leads. And it's just, I don't know, you watch the local news and you don't feel good about the world. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for local journalists and what they do, but it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to create happy news, inspiring stories. So instead of going into the world of, you know, strict journalism, I joined the Peace Corps out of college. And I worked in Honduras for two and a half years working with at-risk youth. It was an amazing experience. I absolutely loved it. And when I finished my service in Honduras, I decided to cash in my plane ticket, buy a bike, and ride home from Honduras back to Boulder. And the reason why I did that is because, you know, one, adventure, but also I really wanted time to process what I had done for those two years in Honduras, but also have time to think about the future and what I wanted to do with my life. I was 25 years old and I was just starting life, really, after the Peace Corps. So I pedaled that bike all the way home from Honduras and I filmed the whole adventure. And when I got home, I edited together a short little teaser trailer thing and it actually played on the travel channel. And from that moment on, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I want to be a, you know, a travel adventure storyteller. And to make a long story very short, I worked in the TV world for years and travel channel and hosted some shows. But now it's all YouTube. I have all the freedom in the world to tell the stories that I want to tell that I feel are bringing value to the world. I get to interact with my audience. I, you know, I get thousands of comments every week and questions, and I take the time to respond to all of them because I truly want to help people on their journeys to ride their bikes more, get outside more and enjoy Mother Nature. So this trip back from Honduras, how long did it take you and did you have anybody with you or did you just decide, like how did you you had a camera and you just started to set up ahead of time and catch footage of yourself and like you just did it really old school like that yeah i mean it sounds crazy but yeah i just finished my service after two and a half years gave away all my stuff i had a little bob trailer that i put my camping equipment in 
I had never done anything like this before, ever. So this was all new to me. I had one big paper map. This was before GPS and cell phones and all that stuff. And I just drew a line from, you know, La Esperanza, Honduras, all the way back to Boulder and tried to follow it as close as possible. And um, it was, you know, I'd never felt so alive in my life. It was just me in the open road. I was 25 years old. Luckily, I spoke Spanish, which made things easier. People invited me into their homes and fed me dinner. They thought I was this crazy gringo. You know, some of these tiny villages had never seen a white guy in real life, only in movies. And my friend actually met me in southern Mexico. And so from that point on, we rode together. And it was kind of like Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. It was just us and adventure. And we got to do whatever we wanted. We camped on beaches. We camped in jungles and mountains. And it was it was quite exciting. That's awesome. So then when you got back to Boulder, you started to realize that you could just build an entire existence around that type of experience. Well, I hoped to. And at the time, it was 2005, late 2005. So there really was no online video. The only way to tell stories through video were either like through TV or documentary films. Um, so I actually started my career on public access TV here in Boulder where I would edit together these 30 minute shows and I'd run around Boulder with a little Sony Handycam, film these adventures, put them all together. And the show would play, you know, at two in the morning on public access. Of course, nobody's really watching except for my mom. She was my number one fan. And that's how I started from the very, very bottom. I didn't make any money doing this. I never knew if it was quite going to work, but it was a dream and I just stuck with it. And you know, I, I speak at schools all the time now talking to kids about my my career path. And I just tell them, like, if you want to do something like this, you need to be relentless. And that's essentially how I've been my whole career is just constantly putting out content and building that audience and interacting with the audience and also just having really you know thick skin. There's many times I've second guessed what I'm, what am I doing? You know, I'm 30 years old. I'm not making any money. I'm living in mom's basement. You know, should I, should I go back to nine news and get a real job and have a real paycheck? But I've stuck with it and I'm very grateful that I have. And, and now my YouTube channel is my main job. It's all I do. And I get to pour my heart and soul out to the world. And I love it. Amazing. And what did, what year did you start the YouTube channel in? I started YouTube really in earnest, like in 2016. YouTube came out around 2006 and I started putting videos on YouTube, but at the time it wasn't a place to make money. I don't even think there were subscribers back then. It was just a place to like put my videos up. If I you know, was talking to a casting director or something in New York, I'd be like, hey, look at my video. This is what I look like on camera. So right. at that time it was just a way, there was like a resume site. But now YouTube, you know, starting in 2016, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this full blast. I'm going to try to build up a channel big enough to the point where I can make a living doing it. And for the first five years of YouTube, I mean, my growth was very slow. I never had a viral hit that launched my channel. And my first videos literally got like 75 views. And then a week later, you know, 83 views. So I mean, it's very, very slow progress. Um, but it goes back to just being relentless and uh, that's how it's all kind of come together. Amazing. 
You're, yeah, I mean, you are one hard worker. That's for sure. I don't know. I don't know how you do. It. I mean, you're on the road, what, 150 days a year? Yeah, usually on, a, on average. Uh, and then uh, you do all you do all this work yourself. Yeah. So to film yourself is is difficult because you know there's no camera crew. But as a viewer watching these videos, you're like, oh, he must have somebody with him because he has all these different angles and he has drones up in the air. Um, but it's it's all me. I usually have three different cameras with me at all times. There'll be moments, maybe at the end of the day, mile 80, and I'm just so tired. The last thing I want to do is pull out the camera and the tripod and do the whole thing. But it's like, if I don't take the time to film this moment, the audience isn't going to see this. And it's hard to go back and be like, oh, I, I did this and this and this throughout the day. It's just boring if you just narrate it after the fact. You really have to get all the moments and i think some of the the best moments to capture are the hard moments when you're struggling or there's a storm ahead or you're just physically completely beat up those are the moments when you should take out the camera and it's 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 tricky because you know you have the physical pain but you also have to like be like okay this is my job and in, unless i get all these cool angles my video is gonna suck when i get home i'm really interested in like the the artistic process of it too though like there's, so there's the entrepreneurial piece of how do you build out that channel and how do you get people to follow it and promote it. And I mean, from 2006, 16 doesn't sound like that long ago, but like in the YouTube consciousness, that's, it might as well be a hundred years, right? Like it's changed so much, but like when you go out, so you've got a GoPro probably on, on your head, I'm thinking probably, and then you've got a drone and you've got like another camera. If you go out for like a five or six hour adventure, do you sort of already have a template in your mind of how you'd like the arc of that video to look? Or are you just filming as much as you can and then figuring it out after? Well, the thing with adventures is you never know what's going to happen. I can I can have a storyboard in my head of what I'd like to film, but nine times out of ten, it doesn't happen because a storm comes in or I meet some interesting people and I don't get as far as I thought I would get. So my videos really are just in the moment, like whatever happens, happens. But I have to be ready to capture all of those moments. So yeah, there's a GoPro. I also have like a nicer quality Sony camera for interviews and some of the more good looking shots. And then I have the drone and throughout the day, I'll be riding, you know, maybe I'm 20 or 30 miles into the Colorado Trail and I'll be like, okay, I haven't filmed with the drone yet today. I need to get some, the drone into the air this scene looks pretty beautiful. Let's get it up there. Let's get it down. And then I keep riding. And that's the thing a lot of the viewers don't remember is like, I'm putting in big miles on these, these days, but I'm also stopping constantly to film. And also, you know, I'm talking to the camera. I'm trying to tell the audience like what's going on, what's going through my head, what I'm smelling or what I'm seeing or look, you know, filming cool bugs or snakes or birds, whatever comes my way. I try to think of what would be interesting for the audience to see right now. So yeah, I do film a lot. Obviously not all of it makes the edit because I come home after an adventure and I spend you know months putting together uh, the actual videos and then I add in music and everything else and color correction and it you know becomes a full on production. I, I really enjoyed watching one of your most recent videos, the one where you're doing the Great Divide mountain bike route, I think on the from Southern Colorado to to the Mexican oh. border. That was awesome. I mean, that was relatively recently, right? Yep, that was last May. So okay. in 2020, yeah. I tried to do the whole Great Divide in one yeah. shot. 
but the border of New Mexico was closed because of COVID. So I went back last May just to do the final 700 miles. And me being me, you know, some people are, they really study the weather patterns and they know what's going to happen. I just kind of like go for it. And if the weather sucks, the weather sucks. And that's part of the story. But there was a lot of snow that I dealt with at the beginning of this ride. And I was pushing my bike, you know, post hauling over mountain passes and three feet of snow over these 10,000 foot mountain passes. And it got a little hairy up there. It was a little scary and cold and it definitely made for some dramatic uh, content. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. A lot of curveballs th thrown your way. And I think you said it was one, one of those days was your hardest day on the bike ever. Yeah, the day that I had to push my bike through snow was definitely one of the most difficult days. It was like 15 miles of very deep snow. And I was dragging my bike through the snow. I mean, I wasn't riding it at all. I was, you know, getting in front of it, grabbing my handlebars and just like pulling it three feet and then like post holding a little bit more and then dragging it a little bit further. And you have to remember, it's not just a lightweight cross country mountain bike. I have all my food and gear and water on this thing. So it's like dragging an anchor over a mountain pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So great. All the people you meet along the way. I love, love all the interview interviews that you do. Um, yeah, meeting people, people yeah meeting people is my favorite part of doing these adventures you know it really is i love pushing myself physically i love seeing beautiful landscapes but every adventure i've ever been on i have met wonderful people from mexico to cuba to europe to the united states and when you travel through these small towns you really get a taste of what life is like in small town america and you know, when I did the Great Divide in 2020, it was during pandemic, it was during all sorts of other political unrest in our country. And it was really, it was heartwarming to, to meet these people and just get to know the average American. And it was also really fun to share those stories with the world afterwards. And I got lots of comments from people around the world saying, wow, we watch the daily news about the United States and it looks pretty scary and dark, but then I see the world through your eyes and your videos and it completely changes my perspective of what America is all about. So I really look at myself as just an ambassador for humanity, for my country. I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it is. I get to show off the best of humanity out there in my videos. We had uh, the ultra runner Ricky Gates on the podcast after he ran ran across the country. And I love his movie. He's the yeah. best. He, and he didn't run straight across the country. He sort of meandered around it. And that was his, like, that's what he wanted people to take away from it is that like, we're 99% the same. You know, we all want the same things. That's not just like, I'm Canadian. That's so that's not exclusive to, uh, to the United States. That's exclusive to the whole world. We all, we just want the same things, but you don't know it until you leave your little cocoon, right? Yeah, and the world can be scary. If you're on social media all day looking at Twitter and then you're watching the local news, you're like, oh man, like, this is a horrible place. Like, how is humanity going to make it out of this? And then you go and you meet your neighbors and you do maybe a little adventure. You can just walk down the street in most cases and like, be like, okay, we're going to be all right. Humans are good. We're inherently like kind, generous people. And sometimes it just takes a little nudge to get out of the house to realize it. And that's another thing with my videos is it inspires other people to go and do their own adventures. I mean, that's really one of the main goals of my channel is not just to show off what I do, but to say, hey, you know what? You can do this too. And you don't have to be an elite athlete and you don't have to have the best 
equipment in the world. And I guarantee you, you will have the same experiences as I'm having. Right. And it's so much fun, right? It's super fun. I mean, it's like I've been doing this essentially all my life, riding bikes and, and running ultra marathons. And it's really fun. Like I always tell people, like I feel most alive when I'm out there on a bike trip and I'm sleeping under the stars and I'm filtering my own water from a mountain stream and I'm meeting farmers in the middle of nowhere. And it's just like, okay, I feel so connected to myself and to nature and to the whole world around me. I love it. That's great. Hey, is there a place you haven't been, Ryan? Yeah, there's lots of places I haven't been. I would love to ride in Africa. I've never been to Africa. You know, that would be a completely new situation for me, new culture, new people. You know, I've ridden my bike across Cuba a couple times, and that was really eye-opening. You know, we grow up in America, and we have a, a view of Cuba because of what the media tells us. And then so I finally went there in 2015, and I was like, whoa, this is way different than I thought it would be. It's super safe. There's like no crime at all. And as a cyclist in Cuba, it's a great place to ride because there's barely any traffic. And if there is traffic, a lot of times it's horse-drawn carts. So it's a great place to ride a bike. And it's those experiences where you just, you see, okay, all right. You know, the world is, um, the world is a good place and I wanna see more of it. But yeah, so I wanna ride the length of Sweden this summer. I was an exchange student in Sweden back in 1997, 98. I've always wanted to go above the Arctic Circle and see the midnight sun. I'd love to ride around Iceland. I mean, there's so many great places. Yeah, Iceland, oh, people navigated Iceland and it looks like just otherworldly. Yeah. That's yeah, Iceland, place. I've been to Iceland. I haven't been there on a bike, but it definitely is, it's, it's like being on another planet. Have you done Ireland yet? The west coast of Ireland is insane. Yeah, I've been to Ireland. I've been to the cliffs of Mohair and all that, but I'm not on a bike, but I would love to ride a bike. Another one of my dreams is to ride the length of Great Britain, the land's end to John O'Groats route. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much. We've had a few people on that have done that. So it's that's the Great Divide uh, bike route, right? Yeah, uh, yes, the, the Great Great Britain. by British bike, the GB Duro or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, that looks pretty incredible. And we've had a few guests on who've done that. And um, in fact, I believe we've had, I think we've had the record holder on that. Hey, Tyler, wasn't uh, Mark Beaumont, I think, might have. Oh, yeah, that's record. right. I think oh, so. Oh, yeah. 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 So many places. Uh, what about, so what about this year? So you've got Sweden, but that's probably not all that you've got. Uh, brewing or it may be yeah, so sweden for sure um i'd like to ride the oregon timber trail which is an 800 mile trail that is north to south through oregon which is full mountain biking after i did the colorado trail last summer i really fell in love with just i love bike touring i love riding roads whatever but i really like being on dirt mountain biking is my favorite sport like on a day-to-day -day, you know basis here in boulder like mountain biking is what i go do and so if I can ride a tour but for 800 miles of epic mountain biking, that makes me pretty excited. So I want to do that. Um, and, you know, I kind of just take things as they come. And, you know, if somebody says, let's go do this, I'll be like, all right, let's do it. I'm the boss of me. I have my own YouTube channel. I get to do what I do. I have a suggestion for you. You should come and do the, uh, the BC Epic Road, which is, yeah. it's, it's not quite Vancouver to Calgary, but you could make it Vancouver to Calgary, but it's not on the road. So that's, it's a lot of trails and reclaimed rail trail. 
Oh yeah. And I've heard of that. That sounds good. About a thousand kilometers, so six hundred miles, and I can't remember what obscene amount of elevation it's over, but it's just continuous ranges through the Rockies. That would and be a good one. It would make a heck of a video if you like uh -huh. waterfalls and mountain passes. Yeah, and I have, have to like bolster my Canadian audience. I need to get up there. <laughs> there you go. That's how you sure. Uh, so you've been doing this for what fifteen years, something like that. Yeah, and traveling up to one hundred. 50 days a year how do you stay how do you stay like like you know you recently you said you got burned out for a little bit you took a little break how do you like how do you stay um just grounded yeah least, i mean you know because it's hard you work your tail off yeah you know and it's i do spend a lot of time outside but i also spend a lot of time in front of my computer editing all these sure. videos yeah. and then interacting yeah. with people and so it is yeah. a lot. Um, I stay grounded by going outside as much as I can. I run a lot. Running is actually like my first love, my first sport. And I still race and do all sorts of fun stuff on, on trails. So I definitely make sure every day to just get outside for a short run, if, if, if nothing else. And um, that's, that's about it. Yeah, that's you know? that's just great. Just being outside, just walking barefoot in the grass, just feeling connected, like getting away from electronics. You know, something that people always ask me about is if I listen to music when I ride or run and I never do, like that's my time to be disconnected from everything. So if I'm on my bike or if I'm running, I'm just, it's just me. There's nothing else. I don't even bring my phone. I love it. That's good on you. Good on you. Yeah. But um, the opposite of that is when I'm on an adventure, I have every single electronic apparatus known to man with me. So it's like, you know, that's why I like to get away from it all when I'm just doing my day-to-day -day life. Well, that's a good, that, that was, that led me like yeah. right into the question I had for you. Do you, do you do any adventures that don't become YouTube videos and like deliberately or you're either training or you're adventuring for a purpose? Yeah, it's, no, I would say if I'm on an adventure, I'm filming it. And it's just like, if I'm going to do something epic and take the time to do it and spend the money to do it, like it's worth it to, to document it. And so, and that's a tricky balance because that's, it's a lot of yourself to share, right? Exactly. And it's also people ask me questions all the time. Like, how do you say, stay present in the moment when you're out there and you're constantly thinking about your cameras and all this other stuff, don't you want to just enjoy it and enjoy the sunrise without filming a time-lapse and it's it's a tricky balance because the point of going into nature is to really connect with it. But when you're constantly distracted with, oh, I need to get the drone in there, I need to charge these batteries, or I need to talk to the camera and tell the audience what's going on, like it's tricky. But I think I've found a good balance where most of the adventure, and I tell people this, like the number one priority when I go on an adventure is to enjoy it for me personally. Number two is to document it. And um, sometimes, it can it can be hard, but uh, I've done it so much now that I think I have a good balance where I'm not stressing myself out too much. So do you have like the mental David Goggins type cookie jar when you're having a brutal moment? Do you remember that like do you dig into the fact that like I know people are going to see this and it's going to get somebody off the couch like you must, right? Absolutely. You know, there are times where, like I said, I'm at the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, I should really put the tripod on the ground and get a nice shot of me riding by. And so, okay, you know, set down my bike, get out the cameras, walk 100 feet ahead on the trail, set up the tripod, hit record, 
walk back to my bike and then ride in front of it. And, you know, and I have to do this over and over and over throughout the day. But then I say to myself, you know, I'll say this out loud, like, this is your job, Ryan. This is your job. This is pretty awesome. Like you're getting paid to do this. So, um, and you know, it's going to affect somebody down the line. So just put in the effort now. It'll make it worth it when you get home and you have more content to work with. Because there's nothing worse than coming home from an adventure and not having all the pieces to, to edit with. It just, it's, it's a lot harder to be creative. Yeah, because you never know. Well, while you're creating this this experience and and capturing everything that you need to capture, you still have no idea how it's going to turn out, right? Like, Absolutely. so you ever put something together and you're surprised by like have has, have some videos exceeded your expectations and some sort of not met them? That's a great question. I have had some videos that I thought would be awesome viral hits, and they don't do jack, <laughs> and for some reason they just don't get sucked into the YouTube algorithm. And then I have some videos that go absolutely bonkers and I have no clue why. You know, the Great Divide is a good example of that. So when I did the Great Divide, I did, you know, a lot of separate episodes documenting the whole thing. And they did pretty well. They got like 40 to 50,000 views each. But at the end of that adventure, like nine months later, I just I decided to put together all of those episodes and smush them into one video. And I made this like two hour cut. I pulled out all the music. So it's only natural sounds. I pulled out most of the talking. So it's really just just riding shots. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, I think it's kind of boring, but I'm going to put it up there and see what people think. And it went nuts right away and now has 2 million views and is the, you know, the only viral video I've ever made. And it's completely Whoa. launched my channel. Whoa. <laughs> Two million views and it's mostly two hours of riding shots. Yeah, I mean, it's very basic and it's it's funny because I wouldn't have guessed that it would be all that intriguing, but the comments I get on it are just like, man, I can just watch this video and zone out and you know pretend that I'm there on the bike and I'm listening to the tires crunch on the gravel and I can hear the wind as the drones mo moving through the air and it's not, you know, you're not being manipulated by music or anything. And another thing is people get on their trainers in the winter and want to just watch something beautiful. And so they stick on this great divide video and just pretend they're there. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Love it. I haven't seen that yet. I'm going to have to watch that one. Yeah. Um, how do you like riding what? through Montana? That's where I live. Yeah, Montana's awesome. I love, Mon I always tell people Montana was my favorite part of the great divide. Cool. Um, People ask me, oh, which section should I do? I only have a week. I always tell people Montana. I mean, the for the deep forest up north were yeah. so beautiful. And it just there was water everywhere. Like sometimes you go on an adventure in the desert or something, and you really have to be mindful about carrying tons of water, which sucks because it makes your bike super heavy. In Montana, I could just have one water bottle and be good to go because I knew that there'd be a stream every 15 feet, it seemed like. And the people were nice. I love the old towns. I went through Ovando, which Ovando, is a cool yeah. place. Yeah. Um, you know, I met some, there's some people there that have a, a llama ranch that are all about trail magic. And they specifically, every summer, go out and help riders on the Great Divide. And they've built all these cabins and they don't charge people any money and they feed them food. It's all free. And so all these amazing things happened in Montana that really makes it stand out for me along that route. That's great. You know, uh, I'm here in Missoula and Adventure Cycling Associations. Yeah. 
you'd be a great ambassador for them. Yeah, you just, know, I've talked, just I've saying. talked to them throughout the years, and we just haven't put anything together. But yeah, I love what they do. I love any organization that's, you know, making cycling easier for people in the United States. Yeah. We should talk about that a little bit because it seems like uh, giving away bikes and endeavoring to be charitable is a big part of just who you are. It's not, it doesn't come across as, uh, as um, done to gain more channel subscribers or anything like that. It seems like it's like a real core of what you do. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, so it goes back to my childhood. I was raised by a single mom, four kids. We didn't have a lot of money. And I remember as a kid, people helping us. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. These people are like hooking us up. And so I've kind of always thought ever since I was a little kid that whenever I have the ability, I'm gonna pay it forward. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons why I was in the Peace Corps working in Honduras. And I've worked at orphanages in the Dominican Republic. And I've always had a connection with, with kids and working with at schools in Boulder, Colorado. And once my channel got to a big enough point, I was like, okay, I can start doing some fundraisers here. And I work closely with Priority Bicycles. They are the ones that uh, really have become my closest partner. And as they're not like a sponsor per se, but like they're just my homies, they're my friends. And um, they've really helped, you know, get me access to bikes. They make lots of kids bikes. So we've done all sorts of drives to get kids on bikes we've we've raised money to you know send bikes to the navajo nation in arizona and utah you know and then on a smaller level you know when i rode my bike across cuba i gave it away at the end to a nice guy that i met there when i rode the baja divide i gave away my bike at the end of that route to some kid and it's like i know how impactful it is to get a bike as a young person because i'll never forget the first bike that i got and so if we can get kids hooked on bikes earlier in life, I think they're more likely to, to ride them throughout the rest of their lives. And it you know, goes into a much bigger picture of you know, environment and more bikes, less cars, healthier humans, all that good stuff. That's great. And I think you gave away a bike uh, to the guy on uh, Ragbri. Yes, that's right. I gave a bike yeah. away to a a guy named Luke on Ragbri, and he was a, a larger fellow, and he was told by his doctor that if he did not lose weight, he would have serious health issues or even, even death. And he went out to Ragbri to do the biggest challenge of his life. And he's, he was a big guy, he was 500 pounds. And cycling essentially saved his life, but he was riding like a Walmart bike. And it kept breaking and his spokes kept popping and it was just a total ordeal. So. I got in touch with him after Ragbri and gave him, a, you know, a really nice Trek 920 touring bike. And, uh, you know, it feels good to, to help people. It really does. Awesome. And you're helping out with uh, some of the victims of the Boulder fire there? Yep, exactly. Get, uh, yeah. What, thousand houses burned down? Is that a right? Thousand houses burned on December 30th, which is crazy. And a lot of people lost a lot of stuff and you know since i was born and raised in boulder i know a lot of people out there and so i've been trying to help again through priority bikes i can talk to the owner dave and say dave i need some bikes for these kids you know they lost their house in a fire lost everything he's like you say the word tell me where to send them and wow. it's really amazing to, to work with such a generous bike company i've worked with a few over my life and some, you know, some of them are, are very cool and some of them, 
are not as generous and and luckily priority is yeah it's awesome yeah it's awesome so yeah First of all, thanks so much for doing this, man. I feel like super inspired and all jacked up, and I want to watch me more. Too. <laughs> Good. It makes yeah. me excited. Which is like selfishly part of the reason that we do this. Like we we get inspired from it, but just like you, we get the occasional well, we get the occasional message. We don't get as many as you do, but messages about people saying, "I heard this episode or that episode, and I'm fired up to try something," and it means a ton. So it it it's awesome to have you on and explain some of that stuff to us. Where can people find you? The best way to see what I do is YouTube. So my channel, if you just type in Ryan Van Duzer, I'm sure it'll pop up, but it's youtube.com slash Duzer TV. I'm on Instagram at Duzer, D-U-Z-E-R. And, you know, you'll, you'll find me out there. How's your grandmother doing? Hey, thanks for asking. She's doing all right, man. So for the audience, my grandma has pretty severe dementia and we've, uh, she lived in New Hampshire all my life and we moved her out here to be closer to us. And so um, she's doing all right, man. She still recognizes who I am. And, you know, we have a guy, I see her twice a week and it's nice to be able to be this close to my grandma. She always lived so far away. I usually only saw her once or twice a year as a kid. And it's those, it's these kind of moments in life where you realize how precious and fragile it is because we never know what's going to happen tomorrow. She was a fully thriving, independent, you know, older lady. And then all of a sudden, like, started going downhill really quickly. And now, you know, she can't really do anything on her own. And it's sad. And I, you know, I go to this memory care unit and everybody else around her are also suffering from the same thing. And it's like, wow, man, these, these wonderful humans, have, their brains have been turned into mush, essentially. And uh, it really motivates me to live every single day to the fullest. I know that sounds cheesy because we never know what's going to happen. Yeah. We just you said know? in the last episode that like all of that cheesy stuff is true. Yeah. Like there's the people say it over and over again, right? Like we just said that last week, but it's true. Like you're right. It's fleeting and it's too bad that we need to have these like stark reminders of that, but maybe they're there for a reason. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I love creating my videos and, you know, showing people the world and how beautiful it is and how accessible it is. And you don't have to go on a giant adventure to feel alive. You can do a one day overnighter near your house and you sleep on the ground under the stars. Maybe you see a see a shooting star, something you haven't seen in a long time. And it just reminds you of just how precious it all is. Yeah, it's great. Man, Ryan, you are so inspiring. Your positive energy is just off the charts and you know it's a, it's uh you, you're you're transforming so many people you know thank pete you that, my, that pete, means a lot yeah pete and I myself love watching included. you back in the tour when you broke a collarbone and you pushed uh, on man you're one of my heroes uh, too so this is uh, great thanks ryan thanks ryan and uh hopefully i'll be, be able to meet you someday again uh you know i work for a firm down in boulder so i get down there every once in a while yeah uh, it'd be awesome to meet up man i'd love maybe that. we can go for a run or a ride or something love it absolutely yeah yeah, but uh, it was a real treat to have you on. Thanks for taking the time, and we really appreciate you and everything you're doing. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Thanks, man. Yep. Be well. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Hey, Thanks cheers. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. One last big thank you to Ryan for spending some time with us. 
What an inspirational and awesome person. So we really, really appreciate that time, Ryan. Thank you for that. We hope that we can hook up and ride bikes or go for a trail run or something sometime in the near future. Everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're able to support the show just by giving us a subscribing to whatever podcast platform you find the show on or just by spreading the word by word of mouth that's a great way for a podcast to grow we would like to give you one more reminder to visit adventureaudiopodcast.com or shoot us an email to adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com if you have questions or would like to sign up for our three days of gravel event that's happening in kimberly british columbia that is august 26 27 28 2022 so that is this summer come and ride some bikes with us or reach out with questions. Uh, We'd love to see you. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week.